On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to really continue and close up a discussion we had last week on the Virtual Bible Study about the question, will only members of the Church of Christ be saved? Yes, last week we had Donnie Rader with us. Donnie had preached during our gospel meeting and asked the question, will only members of the Church of Christ be saved? It was a good sermon, and in fact, we were scheduled to podcast that tonight on our podcast That's right. feed. So if you uh, would like to hear that, uh, we'll have it on our podcast feed. But there, there were just some lingering questions. There was quite a bit of discussion in the chat room, and we had one listener who sent in a lengthy email. And we, want, we just felt like we needed to sort of tie up loose ends. Tied up loose ends and asking about identifying characteristics of the one church, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the Virtual Bible Study Tonight. We'll get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday november 3rd or 2nd 2017 thank you. already november crazy already and uh, thank you for being here my name is jacob Gwyn. my father greg Gwyn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you kyle's behind the board kyle Thanks for being here. That's good to be here. And uh, we're glad that you're here. We want to hear from you on the phone at 877-381-4567. We want you to sign in with the chat room to comment with other listeners, or if you want to send a longer response, uh, questions at collegeview.com is the email address to use. After the program last week, uh, we got uh, early in the morning, uh, the middle of the night, uh, we got an email uh, from a listener. Appreciate that. And we encourage you to contact us at any time. This listener had questions that uh, prompted us to discuss this topic again and in further detail and if you've got a question a comment or maybe disagree with something you heard questions at collegeview.com is open uh, for you at any time we want to hear from you Jacob let's just start out by saying that uh, by I think acknowledging the obvious there's thousands 20,000 or more religious groups that identify as Christian or followers of Christ but they are distinct when I say distinct, that obviously means that they are different from one another. Many of them, all of them, I suppose, to some extent or another, have differing doctrines and even contradictory positions on uh, different doctrinal questions. And I think it should just go without saying that they all can't be right. Okay. And it's really confusing. I, I would guess that if a, if a person just suddenly awakened to a need for spiritual things in their life. And and so just out of the blue started searching, even within a local community uh, uh, like like our community here in Columbia, Tennessee, if you started searching, it would just be a downright confusing uh, situation because you got all these religious groups and they're all teaching different things. They're all doing different things. How can they all be right? Uh, the fact of the matter is they can't be all right. If you take just a simple doctrinal question like, is baptism necessary for the remission of sins? There's only two answers to that. It's not yes, no, and maybe. It's just yes or no. Either you believe it is necessary or it's not. And we've got right here in our own community, we've got religious groups that take differing positions on that question. They both cannot be right. It, it either The answer is either yes, it is necessary for salvation or no, it's not necessary. It can't be anything else. Is the Pope our Heavenly Father? Yes or no? Yeah. There's no middle ground there. Yeah. And a lot of people want to sort of have this fuzzy standard. Well, you know, if it's okay for you, then that's fine. No, it's either he's our Holy Father or he's not our Holy Father. Which is it? And it's been pointed out lots of times as a classic example of truth. Truth is narrow. Truth does not allow for divergence. Uh when I go to the store and I have a, a, a bill for $5.16 and I give the cashier a $20 bill and she gives me $2 back, she, she owes me $14 and something, but she gives me 2 I'm going to say, wait a minute, that's not right. 
well, that's right for me. Yeah. You know, it seems right to me, and and you'll just have to accept that this is the way I see it. You see it your way, I see it. No, I want my $14 of change because truth is true. It, 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 if the cashier doesn't understand that truth, then we can talk about it and demonstrate it and come to But there's only one answer to that question, how much change she owes me back from that $20 bill. And everybody understands that about every field of, of consideration except, for some reason, religion. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. And this really is an all-or-nothing proposition. Either we have to do what the Bible says exactly like the Bible says it, or we don't have to do anything the Bible says. There's no middle ground here. As you said, as we're looking at a, a church to decide, is this the church I should be a part of? Well, our standard has to be the Word of God, and if we don't demand that we follow the Word of God in every aspect of our work and worship as a corporate a corporate body as a church, then we can't demand it for any yeah, uh, part of that. Is that correct? Now, uh, we need to just briefly comment on the on the concept of the local church and the universal church. When we talk about one church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we're talking about that that universal body of believers. All saved people are added to the church. Acts two verse forty seven. And and so when we talk about one church, we're talking about one universal body of Christ that is comprised of all saved believers. Now, we understand that local congregations, the, the Bible instructs us to assemble together in localities, uh, to join together with other Christians in our immediate area. And, there, and, and we'll talk about how the church is organized at that level. And so the New Testament uses the word church in the universal sense. And when it's talking universally, there's just one body of all saved believers. Now, there are, even in the first century, we read about multiple churches in the sense of local congregations. So I hope everybody understands when we talk about the one true church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we're talking about that body of believers that's described in the New Testament and and how they how they organize themselves, how they worship, the, the kind of work that they do. Uh, the doctrines they teach. We, we want to talk about that, but but we're talking about this one true church for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. All right, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at college. You got time now. This church that we're talking about is the one that the the believers uh, and and, and obe- those who obey the gospel are added to, as you reference Acts chapter two verse forty seven, and the Lord added to the church daily such as were being saved. The people who are saved are added to the church. So if you're saved in the church, if you're in the church, you're saved. And well, we talked about this last week at some length. And as we talk about then this church that the saved are added to, who are the saved and how do they get there? Well, they get there by being obedient. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. So the people who are obeying our uh, Father in heaven are the ones who are being saved, and the saved are being added to the church. Therefore, as we look for the church, we then, by necessity, will be looking for a group that is obeying the Father's instruction, exactly. following the standard of God's Word. Yeah. So earlier today to our update list, we sent out just a couple of questions tonight. If you're not on our update, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And just say, add me to the list. Uh, I see in my inbox someone named Linda has asked to be added to our list. We'll, we'll be glad to do that. And on Thursdays, you'll get, about midday, you'll get an update from us talk, tell, describing what our topic for discussion will be that night and asking some questions to help you begin to think and prepare to participate. We really want audience participation in our program. We think our program is much better when you participate. And you get extra credit for participating on the phone. If you disagree with us tonight, the best way to have your voice heard is to call 877-381-4567. It's toll-free. The line's open, and we'll give you uh, the floor uh, to make your points if you'd like to give us a call. Yeah. So to our update list today, we sent out these questions. Number one, what would you list as identifying characteristics of the church that we read about in the Bible? And uh, I like that description. We can talk about the one true church, which is also a fair description. But we read about a church in the Bible. Right. And and it it has certain identifying characteristics. And we can, we can garner those from the word of God. And then we go searching. And so we want to talk about the. Uh, and then number two, 
How would you respond to our listener last week who who wrote in a lengthy email, quote, to what level must a congregation conform to the pattern in order for your uh, to avoid your designation of being denominational? And then the second, another question, it was a very long email, but another question in there was how narrowly is the true church defined? Yeah. We want to talk about Very that. good email, and appreciate our emailer for taking the time to send it in, and we'll talk to, the, uh, to that email in the latter part of the program. But we want to get into what uh, identifying characteristics of the church uh, that we read about in the New Testament do we see, and uh, we want to know how we can find that church. Again, want your thoughts in the chat room on uh, the phone or over email tonight. We've got, we got a chat already starting in the chat room, Jacob, when someone, someone is asking, what authority do we have to meet in a church building when, says, the, when yeah. the Bible example shows that they only met in houses? And I really think we have a program on that. Uh, uh, but we can answer some of those here. The Bible doesn't show that they only met in that's houses. That's right. They didn't only meet in houses. And they, they met Paul and Christians met in the school of Tyrannus in Acts. Uh, the early Christians met on the temple grounds in Jerusalem. And so we were just actually talking about this in our Bible class uh, last night uh, here at College Vita and pointed out that there's no uniform pattern there. Therefore, no pattern is exclusive, and, and therefore we're not bound by any specific pattern of where the church met. Uh, Acts 19, verse 9 uh, the, the believers met in the school of Tyrannus. So it is not true to say that they only met uh, in homes. But, but that's really off topic. So let's get, let's go yeah. to this topic. Okay. I, I want to run through a list of identifying characteristics th- that I've got, and then we've got some emailers who've also uh, chimed in with what they see. So let's go through this list first, Jacob. I'm trying to. I'm trying to. Uh, th- there's all kinds of religious groups out here. And they all identify themselves as being, quote, Christian. How can I tell which one is the right one? They can't all be right. They teach different stuff. They teach directly contradictory doctrines on certain positions. How can I know what's right? So what am I looking for? Well, first of all, we need to find a church that was established in the first century. Yeah. Uh and and this would be a, an easy starting place if if this particular religious group tracks their beginning to 1568. Yeah. Well, that's a long time ago, but it's not nearly long enough ago. Nope. Because we're looking for a church that was established in the first century. In, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said plainly, "I will build my church." Jesus intended to build a church, um, and that church is identified as his kingdom, one of the uh, one of the synonymous terms. Notice in Acts 16, 18, and 19, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, and I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom. And so the kingdom and the church uh, are synonymous. Christ's kingdom is his church. His church is the kingdom. Now, think about this. In Matthew 3, beginning verse 1, it says, In those days John the Baptist in those, days, in those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John, the, well, that, that is an expression we wouldn't use too much these days, but it means it's about here. It's almost here. It's just it's nearly here. It's at hand. Yep. Matthew 4, verse 17, from that day, excuse me, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So John the Baptist preached it. John preached that the kingdom was at hand. But when we get over into some of the epistles that Paul wrote, specifically Colossians 1, beginning verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Notice it speaks past tense. The kingdom already exists. We have been translated into the kingdom. So John the Baptist and Jesus said the kingdom is coming, and and we see that the, the, the church and kingdom are used synonymously. And But then, by the time we get to, to the epistles of Paul, he speaks of it as being already established. It has already happened. And so the, the church that we're looking for is a church that can trace its beginnings and its practices. Now, understand, there is, it would, we understand the impossibility of tracing a, an unbroken secular historical chain. We're not saying that, but we're saying 
we want to go back to that church. We want to go back and be like that church, imitate that church that not that was created in the 1500s, not that was created in the 1600s. We want to go back and and identify with the church and imitate the practices of the church that began in the first century. Yeah, so if you're a member of a church that didn't start in the first century, how could you say it's the kingdom that Christ established, the church that Christ established when it happened in the first century? Let's say, for instance, that you're a Lutheran, and you want to be a part of the Lutheran church. Is that the church that I read about in the New Testament? Well, I can't read anything or find anything in history about Lutheran. In fact, there was no Lutheran church until Luther lived, so somewhere around 1500 would be the earliest that I could say that the Lutheran church started. Or maybe you want to be a Presbyterian. Well, that's obviously not the church that Jesus established because the Presbyterian church didn't come about until about 1560. And, and the list could go on and on. Uh, maybe uh, you want to say, well, you know, I'll just be a Jehovah's Witness. Well, even later there, about uh, 1870 is when that church started. Is that the church that Jesus built? Obviously not because he built his church uh, some 1,800 years earlier. Uh, uh, so if I'm going to find a church that I read about in the New Testament, it obviously would have had to have been exist- I, in I existence in the would, New Testament. That would be, that would be a, an immediate red flag if, if this religious organization is identifying to an, a beginning point that is anything later than the first century. Now, understand that uh, this, is, this is sort of like trying to find a, a missing person. And Donnie Rader, when he was with us last week, used the example of a lost boy at the mall. And we, we won't go into all that. He had a really wonderful example of that. But let's say the police are looking for a missing person. And so they have a description. This person has blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot two tall, weighs 183 pounds, uh, has, a, has a scar on his left cheek. And, you know, get everything that you can describe about a person that you're wanting to find. Well, so we just start looking in the general population of people. And so here, I'm looking at this guy. Could this guy be the guy? Well, he has brown hair. He doesn't have blonde hair. I don't have to look any further than that. I've already disqualified him as the person I'm looking for because he misses a very simple initial comparison. And that's what we're saying here. Here's a simple comparison. Uh, Ask your preacher. When when did the, when did this church start? I'm not talking about this local congregation. Uh, for instance, the College View Church, uh, College View Church here that we're members of, began in the 1970s. We're not talking about local congregations. Local congregations begin at all different points in time. But the church uh, that we're talking about is the universal church that we're a member of. When did it begin? And and if if the church I'm a member of is not the not identified with its beginning time in the in the first century, then it's too late. Absolutely, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven questions at collegeu.com. When we get back, we'll continue to talk about identifying marks of the New Testament church, the church we read about in the Bible. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. See, I told you we'd be back. The virtual Bible study continues. I'm Larry Raspberry, a member of the College View Church of Christ, with a question for you. Do you believe in parachutes? I suppose you do. You believe they exist? But that's not what I mean. There's a difference between believing something or someone exists and putting your confidence in it or him. One who has seen a parachute knows they exist, but has never put his confidence in one. Trying one on while standing on the ground isn't faith either. Going up in a plane intending to jump out with a parachute on is not faith in the parachute either. Opening the door at the moment of truth and gazing outside to the ground is not faith either. It is only when one jumps out the door, counts to ten, and pulls the ripcord that he has actually put his faith in the parachute. Many of you believe parachutes exist, but only a few have actually put your faith in one. Many people in the world say they believe God exists, but only a few put their faith in Him for salvation by doing what He says. We'd love to help you in developing a saving faith in God. If we can be of assistance, please contact us. 
Send an email to questions at collegeview.com or call us at 877-381-4567. And thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Love looks through a telescope, envy through a microscope. The greater danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that our aim is too low and we reach it. Man, wish I'd said that. There's more of the virtual Bible study to come after these important messages. Stay tuned. All right, so that's a little backwards. We're <laughs> I got the out and the in mixed up there, but we're back uh, uh, on okay. the program tonight. Okay. Um, and we're talking about identifying marks of the one true church. So we talked about it must be one that can that that de- describes its beginnings in the first century. Here's another characteristic, Jacob, and and we can't go into great detail tonight because it would take the whole program and more. But the worship of of this church that I'm looking for has to be like the worship was in the first century. If if you're interested, if if this is, is a curious concept to you, if you'll go into our archives and look for the five acts of New Testament worship, mm-hmm. we've got programs on that sort program of thing. Program after program. So we believe that when when Christians assembled in the first century, we can read about them uh, teaching and preaching the word. We can read about them praying. We can we can read about them observing the Lord's Supper. We can read about them contributing of their means. We can read about them singing. Uh, that's what Christians. Again, we don't have time to to give. Uh, we can, but we don't have time. If you have questions about that, look in our archives or send us an email. But we can identify five acts of worship that Christians did when they assembled together in the first century. Now, that being the case, if we're going to be like that church, that that existed in the first century we need to worship like they worshiped because that was authorized worship we're not free to just do as we please john 4 verse 24 says god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth so if if our worship is going to be according to truth then it's going to, have to be done like is authorized in the page of the new testament so the worship what if this religious group i'm looking at what if they use instrumental music in their worship? We know, and in fact, authorities and historians agree that the earliest Christians did not use instruments of music in their worship. We've got plenty of, of programs in our archives about instrumental music, if you want to look at that. But if, if, if this group I'm looking at uses instruments of music in their worship services, that's not New Testament. That's not yep. like the church I read about uh, in my Bible. Yep. Uh, if they if they don't take the Lord's Supper or if they don't take it every first day of the week or if they use different elements in the Lord's Supper than the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine, then th- that's clear that their worship is not like the worship I read about them. So I eliminate them. I'm, I'm, I'm going through basically a process of elimination. Here. Now, you're being picky, some might say. Oh, you know, uh, that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we do this or that. It's an all or nothing proposition. What about the church that rides bulls, has a bull riding arena, and rides bulls during their worship service? Is that acceptable? Oh, no, 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 you can't do that. Well, why not? Well, that's too far. Based on what? On your subjective author, uh, judgment or upon a, a standard of God's word? And we agree that is too far because it's not in spirit and in truth. Or what about the church in Nashville that shoots fireworks off in their worship? And even has had uh, news articles written about how this, their atmosphere is like you're at a ball game with, uh, you know, with the uh, T-shirts and the music and the lights and the fireworks. Is that acceptable? Well, no, that's too far. It's an all-or-nothing thing. Yeah. If, if that's not acceptable, then on what standard is it not acceptable? Because you're going to condemn yourself if you're not following exactly what the Bible teaches. Exactly right. And what what's what's Sometimes rather frustrating about this is everybody's going to draw the line at some point. That's right. So wherever you draw your line, justify it. We're trying to draw our line right where the Bible does. Now, now, so, oh, yeah, well, you think you guys are perfect. No, we're not perfect. We're, we're, we're not claiming perfection. But we know the ideal that we're striving for is described in the New Testament. And so we're just trying to draw the line there. In the New Testament, we know they did not use instrumental music. We're not going to use instrumental music. That's not because we don't like it. I like instrumental music. If I had my druthers, we'd have instrumental music. But uh, if we're going to, if, the only place we know where we can draw the line is where the Bible draws the line. Otherwise, it's just, it's just your subjective opinion. It's just your opinion, anything other than and that. And that's condemned in the Bible. Binding your opinion is condemned. That'll send yeah. you to hell. Yeah. 
what we're saying is you've got to follow God's rules. In John 4.24, God is a spirit, and they worship him, must worship him in spirit and truth. Who are we worshiping anyways? Yeah. We're worshiping God. Why not? Why in the world wouldn't you do it exactly like he said he wants it done? Yeah. It's not about what I like, what does, what it, what does the most for me. It's what God wants for crying out loud. Don't just do what makes you happy. Make him happy. Yeah, exactly right. right. Okay. So let's take another characteristic. Again, this is sort of like searching for a missing person. The more identifiers we can, can find, the better chance we have to, to identify what we're looking for. And so here's another identifier. The church that we read about in the New Testament was organized at the local level. Each congregation was independent, autonomous, self-governing. There was no hierarchy of church organizations. In Acts 14, verse 23, they ordained elders in every church. There were elders over every church. There were elders, bishops, pastors, or overseers, shepherds, all those words. We've, we, again, look in our archives. That we've got, we've got uh, past programs on the organization of, of the church, uh, on the eldership, and so forth. But... Those elders in those local congregations were limited in their oversight to the to that local congregation. In First Peter chapter five, beginning verse one, the elders which are among you I exhort, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. And so the only organization of of the one true church is that local congregations had their own overseers. And the qualifications of those overseers are plainly stated in in First Timothy three and Titus chapter one. There's no, there's nothing beyond that. There, there, it, local congregations didn't report to a higher organizational level that then reported to a higher organizational level. But that's very common in the religious world today. The the, the ultimate example, I suppose, is clearly the Roman Catholic Church that has a worldwide organization, just keeps building the hierarchy higher and higher until you finally get to one man, uh, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, who is head over the whole worldwide. That's absolutely not in the Bible. There is no, absolutely no authority for that sort of hierarchy of religious organization and so if the church you're looking at has an organization that reaches higher than the local congregational level, that's not the church you read about in the New Testament. Wait, now, now you're being picky again, but you reference First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The elders only had authority over the church that was among them. There was no earthly organization, no earthly headquarters, no diocese or, uh, or synod. Uh, that they were a part of. They did not uh, form any kind of organization. So if you find a church that has one of these organizations that's not independent, then it is not according to the scriptures. It's not. It can't be the church you read about in the New Testament. So, so limit that one out. You know, we, we, we're just continuing to sort of funnel this down. We get we're getting narrower and narrower because the definition of the church we read about in the in the Bible is narrower and narrower. Here's another one. Now, this is one that sometimes people just really kind of rile up about. The church should have a scriptural name. Now. We want it to be made very clear. We've we've said this. I don't know how many times through the years. Church of Christ is not the only designation of this church that's found in the pages of the New Testament. It is a designation, Romans sixteen verse sixteen, but there are other designations of the church. It is when we say Church of Christ, we, what we're really saying it's not a it's not a title. It's actually a description. It's the church that belongs to Jesus. It's also called the church of god it's the church that belongs to god we could call the church the church of god it's the church that belongs to god but if it's going to be a the 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 true church it would it seems so obvious that it would necessarily wear a scriptural name absolutely uh why not uh, name it uh, the church of bob or yeah. The, the one, the church of what's happening now, I think, yeah. was the name back in the eighties. Well, not not far from here, where we are in Tennessee, there's a, there's a big uh, congregation of people called the People's Church. Yeah. Well, okay. I there's guess people we, in it. I guess if we're gonna if 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 we don't have to follow the Bible, we'll call we'll name the church after ourselves. Uh, but that's not biblical. And so this is this is a pretty easy one. If the name that this religious organization wears is not a name, and, and re, we repeat again, 
There are multiple names mentioned in the scripture. Identify this church. It's called the Church of the Firstborn, for instance. There, there are there are different biblical descriptives. But if this religious organization I'm looking at isn't wearing at least one of those, then it can't be the right one. So I, ah, that's so picky. What, what's what's in a name? Well, okay. How about your wife? You want your wife to wear your name, or is it okay if you, she just wears anybody's name? Yeah. No, I want to wear my name. That's important to me. Well, if if it would be important for me for my bride to wear my name and not some other man's name, then understand that the church is the bride of Christ. Why would we have it wearing some other name, the name of Martin Luther, Lutherans, or anything else? That of that, you, you see my point? Yeah. All right, we're up against another break, and when we get back, we want to hear from you. Lots of chatter going on in the chat room about uh, the idea of where we meet. Uh, do we have do we do we have authority to meet in a church building? Um, and uh, that we welcome that discussion to continue. And uh, for those who are listening and are, are interested in that discussion, look in our archives uh, where we deal with that topic. We'll get a break at this week's bullet point and get your thoughts when we come back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Don't go anywhere. You might miss something. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Historian Ken Burns makes an interesting observation referred to our nation before and after the Civil War. Prior to the war, the normal expression was, the United States are. But after the war, the more common way to refer to the nation was, the United States is. We know that the Civil War was fought largely over the issue of states' rights, and the current usage, that is, the United States is, reflects the outcome of the war and the resultant emphasis on the union of states. Our point is that words mean things, and we see something similar in the way certain people refer to the church. Specifically, we hear some who refer to the local congregation as they or them, and others who speak of it as we or us. Those who speak of the church as they or them are showing a certain detachment from the other members. These folks typically like to criticize and complain about what they are doing. And while such complainers are quick to find fault with them, they are very seldom found helping to resolve the problems. There is much discussion of what they did or didn't do, but there is precious little activity on the part of the one doing the criticizing. We think these members would do well to read what Jesus taught about beams and motes in Matthew 7, beginning verse 3. We're thankful for those who consistently refer to the local church as we or us. They show that they are a working part of the congregation and are making a contribution to what is happening. And while there will always be things that need to be changed and improved about us, these folks know that it's important that we all do our part to accomplish this growth. After all, we are a, quote, body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, Ephesians 4, verse 16. So take this test. Do you refer to the church as they or them, or do you speak about the church as we and us? The answer to that question will tell you a lot about you and your heart. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm James Buchanan from Columbia, Tennessee, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. How about logging off of Facebook and getting into God's book? The virtual Bible study continues. And we're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com, where you can find out more information about us, what we believe, what we practice, where we meet, and the times of our meeting. TheVirtualBibleStudy.com and uh, send us an email to questions at collegeu.com. We'll send you a bumper sticker and you can help get the word out about our program. There's a lot of chatter in the chat room tonight about uh, church buildings and whether or not they are authorized or are we being hypocritical or are we being inconsistent. One thing I'll point out before we go on, if we're inconsistent and if we're hypocritical, that doesn't prove anything other than the fact that we're not right. If It doesn't prove the fact that we need to have authority for everything we do. It doesn't disprove that. If we're inconsistent, we're inconsistent. But uh, that's just like saying, well, you can you steal, so I'm going to lie, and it's going to be all right. No, it doesn't prove anything. If, but, we're, wrong, if we're wrong, show us where we're wrong. Right. But don't use, don't use our error uh, to justify what you want to do. To fu- if you're interested in uh, our explanation of this and, and uh, what we believe, Check our archives, December 27, 2017, the title of the program, Authority, Treasury, and Church Buildings. And you might also check, you might also check the March 10, 2011, Authority for the Church Building and its use, March 10, 2011. So, so this is not, uh, in the chat room, uh, if, 
if you have not raised a new question, we understand the question, and we've actually had whole programs dealing with the question you're asking. Uh, you, that, does, that doesn't change anything, and we think that we have demonstrated clearly the authority for church building, but that's really uh, not our topic for tonight. In the chat room, guest 1341 says, It breaks my heart. The Church of Christ rightly works very hard to get everything right, but then they practice a damnable heresy of making getting everything right the ground for their justification before God. When their standard of human perfection is applied to them at the judgment, I fear the perfect holy judge may find them lacking in an area or two. Would that God, would that God might lead them to repentance, to trust in Christ alone, okay. then seek to obey okay. that from that assurance? Okay, 1341. You tell me which commands we should tell people that they can ignore. That's a, you, you just tell you, you, you're in the chat room, you've got access to your keyboard. You type in there the, 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 the straightforward command of God that you believe that we can tell people to ignore. You don't have to. There's one. There's a command, but you don't have to do that. You tell us which command that is. No, and we're not saying that we're going to be justified because we're perfect. We're going to be justified because of Christ. But what we're saying is we have to obey. There, there's an ideal here. There's a, there's a there's a there's a doctrine of Christ, and our and our our aim must be our our striving must be to conform to that. But but the, the implication of that comment in the chat room is oh, we don't even have to worry about that. So if you want to stand in judgment and say, God, I know that you said this, but I didn't think it was really all that important to do what you said, then then you do that. I'm going to say I understood your will, Father, and and I tried and I failed because I'm a, fa- I'm a fallible human being, and thanks for your grace and mercy. But I'm not going to go before him and say, I just didn't think that was important. And so we're on the program tonight saying that you need to be a part of a group that is following what God commands, is not thumbing their noses and saying, you know, I don't care if God wants me to worship this way or that way. I don't care how God designed the church to be organized. We're saying we need to get back to what the New Testament teaches us. And we're not saying we're perfect and everybody's got to be just like us to be and be perfect. No, we're not the standard. God's Word is the standard. We're encouraging people to line up to the standard. In the chat room, 1341 responds, well, that rebellion won't work. Well, but but if I know that there's an instruction of God and, and I'm not even making any effort to submit to it, that is rebellion. And, and you know, that. so we're not teaching... That, that we're perfect, but we're saying there is a perfect revelation of God's will to us, and that has to be what we strive toward. Yeah. We're not claiming perfection, but we're also not saying you can aim low. You can, you, can, you can purposefully try not to be what God said to be. Our purpose should be to try and be all that God wants us to be. We're going to fall short of that, and, and, and that's where we rely on God's grace and mercy. But we cannot say... That, that that's not important. We don't have to work at that. And we shouldn't say, you know, you're um, juggling chainsaws in worship, uh, but uh, God's gracious, so don't worry about it. You're, if you say you can't say it's wrong because then you're trying to be justified on the fact that you're perfect. No, if you're juggling chainsaws in worship, that's not acceptable, and you need to cut it out. You need to stop. You need to follow the standard of God's word. You must worship Him in spirit or, or and in truth. Or make it even simpler. If you're teaching that a person does not have to be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38, Mark 16.16, 16, 1 Peter 3.21, Acts 22.16, we'll just keep repeating these verses. But if you're saying that a person doesn't have to be baptized for the remission of sins, we're saying that's wrong. And it's not wrong because it's our opinion. It's wrong because the Bible plainly teaches one must be baptized for the remission of sins. And so that's not us. That's not us trying to teach some personal perfection. We're just saying the the word of God is plain on that. Submit or else. Um, 1341 asks, I'm sincerely asking this, and we appreciate your sincerity, 1341. What happens if you find out you've misread and misunderstood? Will you stand condemned? I tell you what, if I find out, and and I have before in my life, when I find out that I have misread and misunderstood, you know what I do? I change. And repent. Repent and change. And in other words, I, 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 when I know better, I do better. I'm just trying to do the best I know. When I learn better, I do better. And so that's why we keep studying the Word of God, because we there's always something to find. And nobody's claiming perfection, but we are saying we have a perfect re- revelation of God. So we keep studying it. And when we learn things, we conform ourselves to it. On the Day of Judgment, what if you find out that, uh, what if you learn that you've misread and misunderstood? Well, uh, gonna, I, when I stand in judgment, I'm going to stand there as a, as a, a sinner 
redeemed by the blood of Christ. Right. And I'm, I, I, I'm in judgment. I will if if I make it to heaven, I will not make it there on the basis of my merit. I will not make it there because I was a perfect law keeper. If I make it to heaven, I'll make it there because Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood to redeem me from my sins. And, and God's gracious. And God is gracious. But don't, yeah. Paul even said this in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, he yeah. said. So we believe adamantly in the grace of God, but we don't take that to mean that we can aim low and stop trying. Well, and, yeah, and so uh, 1341 your your question implies that it doesn't matter that it, you just worship God any way you want and it doesn't matter now and not even being rebellious okay so thirteen four seven says we can't be rebellious say well, I know that's what it says but I'm not going to do it but you ought to be searching the scriptures and trying to line up exactly to what God has well, said a, a, another question what if you die before you learned you were wrong well uh, we'll leave that up to the eternal judge. But implied in the question is that this is such a difficult thing to ferret out that we probably will never get done figuring it out in a lifetime. I don't believe that's the case. I don't believe that God's word and the and the essential doctrines of salvation are so hard to understand that that I'll miss it after years and years of study. It's just, I just I don't think that's the case. the The problem is not understanding what God's will is. The problem is doing it. Okay, uh, 1341 and others in the chat room, um, we, we'd like to continue the discussion. And so, yeah, someone said we got worked up there. Well, uh, didn't mean to, to get ugly at any, in any... Hey, that does work me up when someone suggests uh, or or ascribes to us a position that we have not taught. Yeah. Uh, listen carefully. And we're glad for your participation. We, yeah, 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 I know not. We don't want to. We don't want to leave anyone on hard terms here, uh, hard feelings. So uh, no, we're, uh, we're we'll def- adamantly defend what we believe, and uh, we're open uh, for criticism and uh, and correction in that. Uh, and as many in the chat room are are adamantly defending uh, their position as well, and we uh, appreciate that and uh, hope that we can continue the discussion. All right, uh, we are running over time here tonight. Uh, we've got to get a, another email that we've got to get to here from uh, our listener from last week. Real uh, quickly. quickly other okay, I'm marks. just going to, uh, because we're so short on time, I'm going to go through the rest of my list, and I'm not going to present the scriptural uh, uh, establishment of these points. Uh, I've got them all it's listed. It's unfortunate because a lot yeah. of them need to have some scripture. So we, what are we talking about? We're looking for a church established in the first century, scriptural in its worship, congregational, local uh, in its organization, has a biblical name. The terms of entrance are found in the New Testament. Sometimes we, sometimes we talk about the plan of salvation. In other words, what does it teach about what a person must do to be saved? That's very plain. Again, we've got plenty of programs in our archives. What, once, what must one do to be saved? If, the, if, this, if this religious group I'm looking at does not teach what the Bible teaches a man must do to be saved, including baptism for the remission of sins, they cannot be the true church because they're not teaching the proper terms of entrance. Uh, and um, it, it, it needs to be a church that uh, works, has a, has a specific agenda of work like that that we see uh, described in the New Testament. And that means both the positive work it does and the things it does not engage in. Uh, again, we've, we've got programs on the work of the church, but a lot of religious groups have delved off into a whole variety of things that the, the scriptures do not describe as a part of the work of the church. So those are just some of the things on my list. I, my list is longer, but we got some emails we need to get to. Let's take our last break, Jacob. When we come back, we, we want to fly through these emails. Quickly, before we get the break, Kent says the identifying characteristics of the New Testament church are the following, origin, designation, doctrine, organization, worship, and work. I would also clarify the distinction regarding the church of both universal and local extension. The universal church is composed of those all those saved as a relationship in Christ, the local church in the New Testament authorized form is an independent collective functioning unit with no organizational tie to any other local New Testament church. Anthony in Columbia says, in no particular order, the church should be organized according to the New Testament authority. It should be engaged only in works authorized in the New Testament. It should preach only the true gospel as contained in the scriptures. It should worship only in the ways authorized by the New Testament. It should have the intentional goal of following the New Testament pattern and authority. 
it really should have a name that is found in Scripture, be it Church of Christ, Church of God, Body of Christ, etc. Thank you for those uh, comments, Anthony. Right, uh, get in the chat room. Send in your thoughts during the break. We can look at those during, when we get back. Give us a call, 877-381-4567. And by all means, stay tuned. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Got a question about something you've heard on the virtual Bible study? Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship. But something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that he has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A Pew Research survey found that many people believe Christianity is losing its influence in America. Almost 72% of survey responders believed that religion's influence in American life is waning. Those who identified with this statement also indicated that this downturn was not a good thing. That information is via the Institute for Faith, Works, and Economics. The Word of God says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. God's Word has the answers. Let's get back to studying it. The virtual Bible study rolls along. And we're glad that you're here with us tonight as we go to the top of the hour. We got a long email after our program last week, and we wanted to deal with some of that tonight. Yeah, in fact, we may deal with part of it. The, the emailer expressed, I think, a real misunderstanding of what we believe and practice concerning instrumental music. And and we may want to look at that. That's a whole different uh, thing to talk about. And so we may talk about that. Uh, I'm going to save this email and talk about that later. But he made two comments, and I put them in our update email today. To what level must a congregation conform to the pattern in order to avoid your designation of being a denomination? Well, I just I just highlighted that because I wanted to point out this is not our designation. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the Word of God says. And so I just wanted to comment about that. Don't worry about what our designation is or is not. Worry about conforming to the New Testament pattern. Right? I could answer this question real easily. Um, if you, If your church says it is a denomination, it is a denomination. I mean, yeah. and most churches admit, well, we're a denomination. Yeah. In other words, we're just a fraction of of the of the whole of of Christendom. Of whole Christianity, yeah. Yeah. Well, then they're a denomination. Yeah. And denominations are condemned in the scripture. And by the way, that would be one of the identifying characteristics of uh, of an of the New Testament church is that it was not a denomination because the, because our Lord and Master specifically prayed that we would not be denominated or divided yeah. in in John seventeen verses twenty and twenty one. Yeah. So we, we're not denominate we're non denominational we're anti denominational yeah. uh, and and that'd be another identifying characteristic. All right now. The really important part of this question: How narrowly is the one true church defined? I want to go back as, uh, to to begin the answer to that question. We got some emailers who are who who who've commented as well. Let's go back to this idea of trying to identify a missing person. Right. So, which one? So we got this list: blonde hair, blue eyes, six foot two, one hundred and eighty five pounds. He's got a scar on his right cheek. Uh, and then you know, wears size eleven shoes. Uh, uh, speaks Spanish as his native language. I mean, the, actually, if we were looking for a missing person, the more identifiers we had, the better we would have. And, and, and so, and I think Donnie clearly made this illustration last week. If you were looking for such a missing person, 
And he had all but one of those characteristics. He didn't have the scar on his cheek. Oh, well, that's close enough. It's close enough. You know, his, his family should be, be happy. Uh, we'll bring him to his family. It's close. It's really, he's, he really looks a lot like the, the missing guy. He's missing, he's missing that one characteristic of the scar on his cheek, but I mean, how picky can we be anyway? Yeah. We wouldn't do that about a missing person. His family would say, that's not the, that's not the right guy. And if you, and, and you suggested earlier, Jacob, it's really an all or none proposition. It, he either is or isn't the missing person. And that all comes down. He's, he's got to match every identifier of the person we're looking for before he is that person. Now, how taking that same logic and applying it to the church, how narrowly is the church defined? Well, it's, it's defined as narrowly as the New Testament defines it. And every characteristic that we can find must be adhered to if we're going to identify that as the true church of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're not talking about insignificant things here, like do they meet at 9 on, on Sunday morning or 10 o'clock on Sunday morning, or do they uh, do they use song books, or do they uh, use sheet you know song sheets, or do they project on the wall? We're talking about significant things here. Well, those, the, by the way... Uh, those, those are judgments. Th- those are expedients to fulfill commands yeah. to sing, yeah. for instance. Or meet. Or to meet. The time of meeting. What kind of what kind of music do we use to to lead to 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 follow? Uh, those are expedients to fulfill things that are commanded, and and we can talk about authority and expedience. That that's a certainly an important subject. But uh, again, if if you find something that the that the scriptures use to describe. The church, and it's all important. It's 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 as narrow as the New Testament. For is. example, established in the first century, my church was established in 1870. Is that acceptable? Well, no, it couldn't be the same church. Uses instrumental music. Doesn't worship God the way that the New the, Testament says to worship Him. The word in worship. I, I see all these other things lining up, but in worship they they use instrumental music. Oh, that's that. You only have to miss it on one point to not be the church we're reading about in the New Testament. That's not the church we're reading about in the New Testament. They have a hierarchy. There's this uh, organization, this central organization, this earthly headquarters that's in uh, New York. New York. Is that the New Testament church? I can't read about that. So that wouldn't be it. Um, uh, It doesn't have the same terms of entrance. It says that you can be baptized or sprinkled as a baby and you're in the church. Or you don't have to be baptized at all. Uh, then salvation by faith only. Or you got to speak in tongues to be a member of the church. Doesn't uh, line up with what the New Testament. That couldn't be the church that we read about in the New Testament. So how? And the question's a good one. How narrowly is the true is the one true church defined? It's defined as narrowly as the New Testament defines it. And and we've tried to. And this list of characteristics can go on for a ways, but. We've given a lot of suggestions that would necessarily eliminate an awful lot of the of the so-called Christian denominations because they're not they're clearly not following the biblical pattern. So, which one of those is not important to me? Well, they they got to all be important to me, and so I'm, I I just can't stop my search until I've found one that is following through on 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 these particulars. Now, again, we're not perfect. As individuals, we're not perfect, and even as local congregations, we 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 still trying to get to where we need to be. But we know what the ideal is, and we are not dismissing any aspect of that ideal that is described in in the pages of God's word. Nor are we the standard. God's word is the standard, and we're not the judge of. We're not going around to every church and putting a check mark or an X by. And, and that's a, that's a point I wanted to make too. Good point. The only the only congregation that I can speak for is the one that I'm a member of. I'm not trying to make a case for every church that has the name Church of Christ on it. I don't even know them. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know whether they're sound or not. If I if I considered identifying myself with that congregation, I'd sure want to find out. Yeah. And so we're, we're just speaking in regards to the, what we're trying to do, uh, what we believe local congregations ought to do, but we're not, we're not in the business of, of trying to justify 
every every congregation that wears the name Church of Christ. Or wears a different name. Yeah. That you, we're saying you need to be a part of a church that's following the pattern of the New Testament. And again, and the reason that being is because we're not denominational. We're not trying to defend our denomination. We're just saying this is the pattern set forth in the Bible. Locally, we're striving for that. Have we achieved it perfectly? No. But we know where we want to be, and we know what the we know what God has revealed as His pattern, and that's what we're striving for. But we're only speaking in regards to this church that we're members of. You, Jacob, Kyle, me, we're members of this local body of believers, and that's the only ones we can speak for. But we know what we ought to be doing. We know what we ought to be doing. Uh, Anthony says, while this is an important question to consider, we have to keep in mind that a person's salvation is gained in obedience to the gospel of Christ, not by joining him or herself to a particular group of worshipers or congregation. In fact, the actu- one actually becomes part of the church when he or she is baptized in accordance with the gospel. Therefore, which actual brick and mortar place he goes to worship is a matter of judgment in the end. A person who's seeking the truth and seeking to find a group of people following the truth will be doing the best he can. If the congregation he joins himself to at some point begins to deviate from the truth, a truth-seeking person would then have to make a judgment as to whether he continues to associate with that group. Yeah, I think that's right. And and part, a big part of that judgment is, can I be a part of this local body? Or is what is something being done here that necessarily involves me in the practice of error and then i might now have to quickly decide to do something else that's right so if if, if if i'm being if i'm having fellowship i'm being forced to participate in something that's not according to the pattern then i'd have to make a decision uh anthony goes on uh to the question of how narrowly is the church defined this answer depends on your interpretation of the word narrow to some people the the idea that we should follow a pattern at all or have authority for what we do is narrow i imagine the questioner has the motive of trying to point out that no two congregations of any church are alike among those who call themselves the Church of Christ. There are works of the church, etc. For example, we have one cuppers, no Bible classers, uh, some that engage in congregational meals, etc. Of course, there are also groups that have women in authority roles, use instruments in worship, etc. As stated earlier, the consistent or the constant truth seeker will always be comparing these things against the word and will have to make a decision whether the group is sound. I think we have to be careful in declaring a certain congregation to be unsound. We may not want to be associated with that group, and some groups clearly do things that are not authorized, but then there are other groups who may think our congregation is unsound. Uh, for example, a one-cup group that thinks multi-cups are unsound. I think too often we get wrapped up in whether or not a congregation is sound and lose sight of the fact that its members obey the same gospel we did. And really, and, and I, I would agree with Anthony's statement there, and really, again, the only the only congregation that we can speak for is the one that we are identified with. And and we're just trying to do what we believe the Bible teaches that we should do. And we're, we're very adamant about having Bible authority, that thus saith the Lord, book, chapter, and verse for everything we do. And that's the way we believe it should be. Yeah. Um, and there are judgment calls uh, that everyone has to make. I've had to make judgment calls in the past. You've had to make judgment calls about being a part of a group that there were things going on that you didn't think were right. And but, but again, I think I think where I would draw that line is does it so this is not a perfect congregation, but, but does the imperfection force me to be in fellowship with things right. that that I can't conscientiously participate? And in? again, we have the standard. There's some in our chat room who are saying that we don't are implying at least that we don't have a standard that it doesn't. We don't have to demand strict adherence to what God has said. We're saying we do. That's the standard we're striving for, and that we're looking for a group that has that same goal. Of, of sticking to exactly what the New Testament has said, not saying, well, you do something that's unauthorized, so then I can do something that's unauthorized. The, the questioner who's say, pointing the finger about the church building, implying that that's unauthorized, therefore, we don't have to have authority for anything. And that simply is not the case. That's right. Okay. Let me real quickly, we're just out of time, let me read uh, the last part of an email we got from Kent in Georgia. A local church must conform to New Testament teaching in all areas. There are some local churches that would not be classified as being part of denominations in the sense of designation, conditions of salvation, organization, worship. However, they would not be faithful to the New Testament pattern in areas of work or respecting New Testament authority, and thus would be collectively would not be collectively faithful to Christ. There are other religious groups comprised of individuals who have never obeyed the gospel and thus have never had an identity with the Lord. Their members never having been added to the Lord's church. This second group would fit the description of a denomination. The Lord's one true church is as narrowly defined as the pattern set forth in the New Testament. The issue is not how we view one's identity and practices, 
the real issue is how God, using the New Testament of Christ, is the only standard of authority. And I think that's exactly right, Ken. All right, so uh, we are out of time. We've missed a lot of the conversation in the chat room tonight, a good, uh, healthy uh, give and take there in the, in the chat room. Uh, we've dealt with some of that. If you feel like your question wasn't uh, dealt with, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com, as our questioner did last week, and we appreciate that uh, emailer. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. We would uh, also uh, be willing to um, give you uh, some time on the program in a coming uh, program uh, to to make your uh, presentation and uh, your explanation of your position and why you think we're wrong. If you'd be willing to do that, we would we would welcome uh, that and appreciate uh, you giving us that opportunity. Uh, a good discussion tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And uh, Kyle, thank you for getting us on the air tonight. It was good to be here. Thank you for being here. I hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. Questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.